Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Yes, I'm Biased, But Here's Why. I'm your host, Monique James. This is a podcast where we dive into polarizing topics and explore the things that influence how we feel about those topics, dare I say, our own bias. So please, share, like, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Let's dive in to today's topic. All right, welcome to the next edition of Yes, I'm Biased, But Here's Why, the podcast. Um, thank you for joining me today. Um, we're going to be talking about why women, and specifically victims of sexual assault, are always tasked with preventing sexual assault and harassment. Most recently, uh, ESPN analyst Sage Steele had some comments on the Jay Cutler podcast, and she talked about what it means to be a woman in uh, in, German, in journalism, on working in television, um, dealing with athletes and being in locker rooms. Uh, but her comments, I mean, let's be honest, it's Sage still. She had a lot of offensive things to say, but beyond offense, um, her words about women being victims of or subjected to sexual harassment, specifically in locker rooms, um, were dangerous. And the episode, the podcast episode aired on September 29th. The R. Kelly verdict came out on September 27th. So my guess is that the podcast was recorded before um, Mm -hmm. the R. Kelly verdict. But if you're going to release it, at least be a little bit more sensitive. Um, clearly, the podcast was edited. It it wasn't it wasn't raw. So, uh, but that's neither here nor there. I do, however, want to talk about it, and I could rant all by myself, but I'd rather rant with friends. Uh, so, for that reason, uh, joining me today on the podcast is Mashika Asari. Mashika is. Uh, We went to high school together. I'll say it like that. We're not going to talk about what year she graduated or what year I graduated. (laughs) The the point is, we went to high school together, and uh, Mashika is a professional. She's a a thoughtful person. She's a wife. She's a mom. And uh, I thought it might be helpful to have her on to articulate some views about this topic. So, Mashika, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Monique. I appreciate you inviting me. And I am, I don't know if the word excited is a good one, but maybe I'm anxious to tackle this topic with you. I think that's probably the appropriate thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm definitely um, like kind of on the edge of my seat to just talk about it. It's one of those things where I think you and I have conversations like this. Like we have a lot of side conversations, I think. Um, And it's a it's a good way. I, I'm happy that we have this forum um, to talk about it to a, a broader audience besides ourselves. Um, certainly, I know that you uh-huh. know, we have these conversations in other contexts, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, so, you, do you want to tell the people a little bit about you, um, just to get a sense of uh, where you're coming from and your perspective, and then we'll just dive in. Okay. Um, so I'm absolutely not here to promote myself, so I won't go into huge detail about what I do. 
but I, I do think it's important that those listening understand that I do work in what's considered a sex positive industry, um, where it's all about when it comes to sexual health and sexuality. And with that comes often engaging with individuals that have been um, sexually harassed, sexually assaulted, um, raped. And I just have a huge heart for women and often what we go through as women. Perfect. Thank you. And that is an important, um, and it's important for us to, you know, have a sense of, of where you come from with this. That this is, it's kind of, it's ongoing thought for you. It's not something that you mm-hmm. just see in the headlines and, and then, you know, put it away, you react to it and then put it away. So, um, fantastic. And I, I think it's also important, um, for, I think sometimes people, the criticism would be like, oh, you're just bringing in people who have the same kind of thoughts about that topic as you. And for me, you know, uh, we both have the same negative issue. Like we, we both, I would say we both take issue with the topic that we're going to talk about. But um, I do think I want to just share with the, with, you know, the audience, whoever listen, is listening to this, that Mashika and I have very different perspectives, like on a lot of different things in life. Um, and I think that's what makes our conversations cool. Like we don't always agree. Um, we see things differently. We offer different perspective, but the thing that remains, the thing that's always true is that we respect each other in our communication. And so the last thing I want to do is create a forum or, you know, have a space where there's anything but respect, even when there is disagreement. Um, but I just want to say that to say like, we don't, necessarily think alike but on this topic we are aligned so um i just i like to be able mm-hmm. to talk to people that i can learn from uh, and i think your work in spaces that are probably a little bit closer to this will be helpful for me and then also for listeners um, right cool cool all right so let's <laughs> let's dive in um one of the things that i am particularly bothered by sometimes I see headlines and I just keep moving, but sometimes things hit me. Um, And this is one of those things I have been seeing so much of it. And I think when you consider that the R. Kelly verdict was just released and then you have this a couple of days later and it permeates the, the digital atmosphere, I'll say oftentimes where we are seeing women who are victims of sexual harassment and assault being tasked Mm -hmm. with preventing sexual harassment and assault. So I'm sick of it. Yes, I'm biased. And here's why I'm a woman. I'm a Mm -hmm. woman that has been sexually harassed. I'm a woman that has watched sexual harassment and I've watched it unchecked. I can go back in my mind and remember things that I didn't even know at the time were sexual harassment because I was socialized to think that I shared in the blame for what happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm biased. So let you know, let's let's just dive right in here and I think the the important thing to do is give the audience the context. You can go listen to the full-on 
podcast. The podcast is Uncut with Jay Cutler. I'm not even going to address Jay Cutler. Like, not even going to address the host because that would take <laughs> 20 more minutes. Right. That's neither here nor there. It's That's the podcast. Sage Steele was on Jay Cutler's podcast, and they talked for like an hour. Um, you know, it was chock full of things that you could take issue with. But I'm not right. I'm trying not to talk about yeah. Some of those. <laughs> yeah. Let's just let's move on past that. What's really important for today is that I'm going to give you timestamps. So at about the 15 minute mark, Sage starts talking about being a woman in journalism or in in television, and just before the 20 minute mark. So I want I want to say that because give yourself context if you just want to go listen to it for for the purpose of hearing her comments on this. Just before the 20 minute mark, she says, I laugh. I can laugh about it. And she's referencing the um, inappropriate comments that were directed towards her when she was younger in the industry in locker rooms. Um, she specifically referred to some players who were with um, probably like the Tampa Bay uh, professional football team. She says it was it was expected. Um, it's a fine line, but I handled it. She said, I wasn't getting in anybody's face, but I handled it. Um, she said, she goes on to say, I do think, this is a direct quote, I do think as women, we need to be responsible as well. It isn't just on players and athletes and coaches to act a certain way. She goes on to say, I'm not saying you deserve the gross comments, but you know what you're doing when you put that outfit on too. Women are smart. Don't play coy and put it all on the guys. We need to be responsible. To which Jay Cutler, a man, responds, that's so true. Mm. Deep breath. Deep breath. <laughs> Deep breath. Woo! Got a woosah that one. Yeah, yeah. Woosah, Deep right? breath. So when you uh, listen to this, what was your initial reaction? Um... Honestly, I felt a little bad for her. Like, I'm, I, I've, you know, there, there is a part of me that, you know, gets a little bit steamed about comments like that. But I kind of felt a little bad for her because I'm going, wow, she's still pandering mm. this far along in your career. And wow. you are still pandering. That's kind of what I thought. Like, you don't have to laugh this off anymore. You don't have, like, she's not wrong in that the time was different, right? Let's, right. Like, mm -hmm. we, we, can, we can go back 20 years ago and we can admit times were different, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We were different 20 years ago. Right. We wouldn't, we would internalize things. We would see things as our fault. We would say less, right, about things that were absolutely not our fault. And we grew from it and we no longer do that, right? We're adults, we're grown women, we no longer do that versus being almost, I, I, I hate to call our 20-something-year-old selves children, but in comparison to where we are now, our minds were still not fully developed, right? Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I'm thinking, okay, 20 years ago, that's the game you had to play. Do you have to play it now? Do mm -hmm. you need to give credence to or acceptance to that behavior from 20 years ago to allow it to continue, 
right? This is 2021. Right. Why are you still there? Right. And so I kind of felt bad for her because I'm thinking she hasn't matured. She mm. She's still pandering to what was necessary to get ahead back then, right? Pandering to, to patriarchy. To patriarchy, exactly. Mm-hmm. To playing it safe, to making excuses, to laughing these things off. Um, and it's totally not necessary anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to speak of it as in the past, but her tone changes. She talks about how she had to deal with that in the past, and, but then she continues into this like present day women, you know what you're doing, right? right? So you're, you're basically pulling us back 20 years with you instead of moving forward. Perfectly said, perfectly said. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, that speaks to a level of probably uh, compassionate thought that you had that I did not have. So I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to kind of out myself as like not really thinking compassionately at all. Um, but as you talked through that point, I'm thinking like, Oh, I see, I see exactly what you mean. Like, man, that is pretty sad that you still think that you have to do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know? And she said, she did say like, those things wouldn't be okay. Now wouldn't be acceptable in this time. Um, but I'm still not going to get any anybody's face, but I, but I'll deal with it. And so, yeah, to your point, if you don't have to deal with it anymore, why would you sanction it? So it kind of brings me to one of the things that is so problematic for me. And that mm-hmm. is part of what um, creates a space for sexual harassment and assault to go unchecked in our culture is that yes there are men who don't see these things as wrong but I don't think they're the biggest problem in terms of creating the space for it to be okay I think women who do this are women who say things like what Sage Steele said really create more of a problem because when you know if a man has you know that sexual harassment training on at work you know you've got to now you can't even fast forward through the videos there's no transcripts anymore right like you've got to watch this whole video and and maybe he comes out of it for just a split second thinking I need to be more mindful about the way that I communicate with uh, people that I work with and people that I'm connected to if he goes home and the women in his life dismiss that now, whatever little sliver of hope we had to change and shift his mindset that will ultimately change his behavior, the women in his life that countered what he heard or what was impactful, they created a problem. They created the space for, um, for that potential to continue. If, if it was a mindset where, you know, oh, she even said locker room talk. Like I, if I ever, mm-hmm. if I, if I never hear the phrase locker room talk ever again in my life, it will be too soon. Locker rooms are not automatically full of sexual assault language. Like crude and, you know, 
intimate, maybe, sure. But like rapey? Now you're saying all men in locker rooms are like that. Beside the point, I'm rambling. Um, but my point mm-hmm. is that is, that's one of the things that really bothers me is when women perpetuate this narrative that women are responsible for preventing sexual assault. Right. It, it, that That's something that definitely gives me kind of the willies as well. <laughs> the willies, um, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we're... We're, we're in this like quick fix type of society where we take in information that just validates what we already believe, mm-hmm. right? So if you have a Black person being a racist apologist, you know, then that must, that Black person speaks for all Black people. If you have someone in the LGBT community being in apologists for someone's transphobic behavior, right? Every The people who are already thinking that way go, well, you know, they said it and they're in that community. Right, right. And it's the same thing with women when it, when it, when we deal with, you know, toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. right? You, when we apologize for um, sexual harassment and rape culture, Right. And we say, oh, this isn't a big deal. We basically put out information that allows people to basically validate how they already feel rather than challenging their preconceived notions. So I'm right there with you with that. Um, and I feel she did that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she she just kind of took that ball and ran with it. A hundred percent. And I, I was listening to her. So she said she she goes on to to say that she has had uh, young women journalists, um, those trying to break into TV or early in their careers, mm-hmm. you know, send her tapes and say, hey, could you take a look at this? Give me your take, um, some feedback. And she said, well, I mean, I'd love to, but I don't like the way you present yourself. Um, it would that thing when she said that it needled me. Because it's one thing to say, like, let me be clear. Going to work, I work in a corporate environment. If you work mm-hmm. in a corporate environment, going to work in a rhinestone halter top, probably not appropriate, right? But if you go somewhere else in a rhinestone halter top, it doesn't mean that you're wrong for wearing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like there is a such thing as an appropriate standard, but I don't think it has anything to do with preparing yourself to not be sexually harassed. Right. So I, I think she failed to make the distinction. Is Was she saying that, you know, you should be in a suit? Was, was she saying that you should, you know, turn your body a particular way so that you can give a certain impression on camera was she saying you know use these words instead of those words or was she saying you dress too provocatively and i don't want to be associated with you because her comments were definitely subjective as is her view yeah um for sure you, you know um i decided to uh check out jamel hill's response spoke along the lines of you know 
seen situations where Sage responded similarly to other women that worked in the building that she would have thought of as dress appropriately, right? And, um, you know, we all have different ideas of what is an acceptable way to dress Mm -hmm. professionally. And I just feel like if someone is not violating the work dress code, your opinions of how they dress is actually more inappropriate than how they're dressed. Absolutely. That's a great point. My employer says that I can't go in in jeans and a tank top and I'm wearing jeans and a tank top, then you're, then what you say is valid. But if I'm wearing slacks and I, and I happen to have on a tank top, but I'm wearing a cardigan over it and, and speaking to me about the way I'm dressed is inappropriate. Right. Um, and so I wonder if Sage has been in an HR office for speaking inappropriately to coworkers about the way they're dressed. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just putting that out there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, that's, I mean, that's, that is a, that's a great point though. Um, and I, you know, one I hadn't thought of is I think you're giving language to a lot of the things that I think, um, but don't really think mm-hmm. to address them. And so this idea that Sage got to have a critique about the, you know, People are coming to her as that she's been in the business for decades at this point. She has definitely been successful. And if you look at the work that she does, like her sports work is very good. I want to point that out. Mm-hmm. It's not like she's some, you know, crackerjack, barely can do her job type. She's very good. And mm-hmm. for that reason, she has a lot of credit. Her opinion has credibility in her, you know, in the sports world. And then in particular, as as a mixed race woman, a biracial woman, because she wants to make that very clear, um, you know, people look to her for certain opinions. And so I'm sure that there have been many people who came to her who were of all different races, but I'm sure black women have come to her because she's half black. And for her to to then take the license and use use her power to say something to them about like how they're dressed, particularly if they were not actually inappropriate, is so problematic. Thank you for like giving language to that because I, I fe- it's it's one of those things where you ever feel like something's wrong but you can't quite figure out how to say what exactly is wrong with it yeah yeah yeah. and there's a little more to that you know um I find it very problematic because of the role that she's taken in terms of handling women in sports right Mm -hmm. she she speaks at seminars she speaks at events and she wants to promote more women journalists in sports and and this is her tonality, right? Like, I, I'm not, I, I hope this doesn't come across as if I'm putting words into her head, but from the tonality of it, she's critical of the way that women are dressed. And she says it in such a flippant sort of way. But how dare you speak in front of a room promoting more women in sports and you can't have a professional conversation behind the scenes with women rather than putting it out there like this is problematic and it just seems disingenuous yeah 
you know, for I, I think that's the appropriate word, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, yeah, I agree. It's like she's playing both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the whole pandering thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, when she made that comment, I was really just totally upset about that. I, I mean, and and then it came across as very elitist. Yeah. You for know, sure. Um, sure. and it is a, you know, Sage considers herself as um, a conservative individual right Mm -hmm. and it is and 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 i've noticed quite a bit that some individuals that consider themselves as conservative one of the criticisms that they'll have of others who think differently from them is this elitist you think you're better than everyone sort of behavior and then and then she sits like right in that box Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and 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 that was kind of disturbing to me as well like do you not even hear yourself right right you're not even behaving with this moral high ground that you that you you know um that you want everyone to believe yeah, for right sure. that you espouse right exactly for sure she's, so, yes she's problematic she's problematic in so Absolutely. many ways and i think um like I, I think there are so many different directions to take and i you know like i said that's one of the primary things is even even when you talk about her role in in the world of sports and sports journalism and TV, like you said, she's caping, right, for women and, and more women in sports. There's another sort of, I guess you would call it like another contrarian named Jason Whitlock. And he is just as aggravating. Um mm-hmm. But it, it's starting to make me feel like, why are you doing this when you don't need a shtick? You're good. Right. You know, like you and don't it, actually need, you don't need, you don't need a gimmick. You don't need to be anti-women in your rhetoric while you say that you're pro-women. You can just be good at your job. Exactly. Like and they don't, they don't like you either. They don't, they, they hate they you just as much as they the hate you. Because of women like her. Like, right. They they had to change because she was in that locker room. And because right? her reporting and her work was so good that she was going to continue to be in that locker room. And the they locker couldn't room. ignore exactly. her. So it's it's crazy to me that she can really be doing as you as you said, working both sides of the of the coin. It it makes it makes no sense. And the pandering is I had I hadn't thought about it until you started talking, and now that's like probably more annoying to me than and and I, I don't even want to say annoying because that trivializes it I think um it's mm-hmm. more upsetting we're just getting warmed up tune in for part two next time on yes I'm biased but here's why